The reading is taken from Exodus, chapter 12, starting at verse 31, which you can find on page 69 of the Church Bibles. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go. And also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country, for otherwise they said, We will all die. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favourably disposed towards the people, and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. The Israelites journeyed from Ramesses to Sukkoth. There were 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. Many other people went up with them, and also large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. With the dough the Israelites had brought from Egypt, they baked loaves of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast because they had been driven out of Egypt and did not have time to prepare food for themselves. Now the length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years, to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. Because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt, on this night all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honour the Lord for the generations to come. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, These are the regulations for the Passover meal. No foreigner may eat it. Any slave you have bought may eat it after you have circumcised him. But a temporary resident or a hired worker may not eat it. It must be eaten inside the house. Take none of the meat outside the house. Do not break any of the bones. The whole community of Israel must celebrate it. A foreigner residing among you who wants to celebrate the Lord's Passover must have all the males in his household circumcised. Then he may take part like one born in the land. No uncircumcised male may eat it. The same law applies both to the native-born and to the foreigner residing among you. All the Israelites did just what the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the Israelites out, <clears throat> out of Egypt by their divisions. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. Then Moses said to the people, Commemorate this day, the day you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, because the Lord brought you out of it with a mighty hand. Eat nothing containing yeast. Today, in the month of Aviv, you are leaving. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, and Jebusites, 
the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you are to observe this ceremony in this month. For seven days, eat bread made without yeast, and on the seventh day, hold a festival to the Lord. Eat unleavened bread during those seven days. Nothing with yeast in it is to be seen among you, nor shall any yeast be seen anywhere within your borders. On that day, tell your son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. This observance will be for you like a sign on your hand and a reminder on your forehead. And this law of the Lord is to be on your lips, for the Lord brought you out of Egypt with his mighty hand. You must keep this ordinance at the appointed time, year after year. After the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you as he promised on oath to you and your ancestors, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. In days to come, when your sons ask you, what does this mean? Say to him, what a mighty hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of both the people and animals in Egypt. This is why I sacrificed to the Lord, the first male offspring of every womb, and redeem each of my firstborn sons. And it will be like a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead that the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his mighty hand. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. It's uh, great to be here with you again. Um, my name's Daryl, for those of you who, who didn't pick that up yet. Um, please do leave that passage of scripture open in your Bible, because we are going to be looking at that together today. But let me, let me pray for us before we start. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. And now as we spend some time thinking about your word together, Lord, would you open our minds, open our ears, our hearts, our eyes to see your goodness in your word. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. If you're a driver or a motorist, you've probably got breakdown cover. Uh, you're probably either with the AA, the RAC or green flag. Um, other breakdown companies are available. <laughs> but did you know it's actually it's not a legal requirement to have breakdown cover? It's a really sensible idea, unless you're the best mechanic in the world and you drive around in a van full of spares like Karen. Um, and it's a pretty simple idea, isn't it? Um, you're going on a long journey. There's a risk. You're going to break down. If you do, you're going to need someone to come and rescue you. 
So in a sense, the AA or whoever you're with um, promise to come and rescue you when you get into trouble. They promise to come and rescue you when you get into trouble. Now, I've always had the cheapest option, which I'll probably regret in the near future. But Mike, who worked for Insight a couple of years ago, well, Mike always had the most expensive option. I think if he broke down, a team of superheroes would come and fly him and his family in a helicopter to Mauritius. And if either of those two things happened, if I had a terrible experience or if Mike had a wonderful experience, you would talk about it, wouldn't you? I've been known to enjoy a good moan about such things, and poor Karen would never hear the end of it. But Mike, Mike would be telling everyone how wonderful Superman was when he personally lifted the car up into the sky. And again, you'd never hear the end of it, would you? Now, you might not have noticed the connection yet, but there's something very similar going on here in today's Bible story. Israel are about to go on a very, very, very long journey. But they've got some protection because God has promised their ancestors that he would bless them and multiply them and bring them into the promised land. He's told them in advance that they will suffer as slaves, but that he will bring them out of that slavery into his promised land. So a little like the AA, but times a million, God has promised to rescue them from their troubles and to help them get home. And he wants them to remember this rescue and talk about it forever, like Mike. And actually, they've been in trouble for about 430 years. They've been in slavery uh, to the pharaohs of Egypt, but God has come to their rescue and through Moses and the 10 plagues, he's persuaded Pharaoh to let my people go. I love that. Uh, this morning we're at the point in the story where they're leaving Egypt, they're out of Egypt. They're not yet across the Red Sea. You'll have to wait until the next time for that part. But today, as we've just read, God has got a lot to say to them about what he wants them to do next and how he wants them to remember this moment forever. So this morning, we're gonna focus on the three big themes in the passage, God's promises, God's rescue, and God's commands. If you're taking notes, uh, they, they will be the three headings. Firstly, God's promises. Way back in the beginning of the Bible, God made a promise. He chose one man, called Abraham, and God promised Abraham that he would have thousands of children. It's in Genesis chapter 15, verse five. He promised those children a land of their own and told them that they would be a great nation. In that same chapter, he told them that they would suffer. This is right back at the beginning of the Bible, hundreds of years before the Exodus. Actually, I think, Let's turn there. If you've got a Bible open, turn to page 16 in the Green Bibles. This is Genesis chapter 15 um, and verse 13. This is what God says to Abraham. So that's page 16, Genesis 15, verse 13. Um, God says to Abraham, 
Know for certain that for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and that they will be enslaved and ill-treated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. So God has made these great promises to Abraham. Thousands of children, a land of their own, but they'll be away for 400 years. And they're going to suffer. But in the end, they'll leave rich. And in today's true story from the Bible, you begin to see that God has kept all of his promises to Abraham. So turn back to Exodus and have a look at Exodus chapter 12, verse 37. The Israelites journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth. Uh, There were about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. Now, imagine for a second that on average, each one of those 600,000 men is married. And on average, each one of those couples has two children. Uh, Phil Cooper is now going to test me on my 600,000 times table. But I make that 2.4 million people-ish. Do you know how many people went to Egypt with Jacob? 70. 70. Jacob was Abraham's grandson. Now, I thought Christmas at my house this year was going to be busy because there's 14 of us. But by the time Jacob goes to Egypt, there's 70 of them. 400 years later, there's 2.4 million of them. As many as the stars in the sky or the grains of sand on the seashore. Do you know what that means? It means that God has kept his promise to Abraham. And at one point, it really didn't look like Abraham was going to have any children, did it? 2.4 million? But there's more. Look at verse 40. Now, the length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years, to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. Everything God said would happen came true. From the time that they spent in Egypt, uh, he kept his promise to punish the nation that they served as slaves. We've seen that, haven't we, over the last few weeks as we've looked at the plagues. God even kept his promise that they would come out with great possessions. It's in verse 35 of our reading. Have a look at that. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. Can I have some of your gold? Oh, yeah, why not? Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, great. And now where are they going with all this gold? Have a look at chapter 13 and verse 5. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, and Jebusites, the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey. And he says it again in verse 11. After the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you as he promised on oath to you and your ancestors. 
do you see? They're on their way to the promised land. And it's called the promised land because God has promised it to them. And when God makes a promise, he always keeps it. I make that at least five promises fulfilled just in this reading today. If God says he will do something, then he will do it. And this morning, as we read stories like this in the Old Testament, we should be encouraged that God is good at keeping promises. That should help us to trust him. So that when we read promises that God makes to us in the New Testament to save us from our enemies through the death of Jesus Christ, that we can trust him, that he is the kind of God who is good at keeping his word. And we've seen how God's promises to Abraham are fulfilled in these chapters. But now, secondly, let's look at God's rescue. God's rescue. This is another of the three big themes of this section. Have a look at chapter 13 and verse 3. Then Moses said to the people, commemorate this day, the day that you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, because the Lord brought you out of it with a mighty hand. And then you get the same idea, the same phrase at the end of verses 9, 14 and 16. With a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Four times. Eight times, if you include all the phrases that just say out of Egypt or to bring them out of Egypt. And another two times, if you include the words that say he's going to bring you into the promised land he promised to give you. So he's not just the mighty hand that brings them out. He's also the one who brings them in. Now, if God says something 10 times in 36 verses, it's got to be important, right? So it's still important for us today. Our God is being revealed to us in Exodus here as the kind of God who rescues his people from slavery and brings them into the promised land. And because he's that kind of God, he still does that today. Now, you might not be in physical slavery under Pharaoh. Praise the Lord. But at one point, we were all slaves to sin and death and evil and hell itself. But with a mighty hand, our God has rescued his church from all the things that held us captive. How? Through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. In that moment, sin and evil and all the things that held us captive were destroyed. And when Jesus rose again from the dead, he even destroyed death itself. Our God has brought us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of the son he loves. It's not just a rescue from slavery, but for something much greater, a new relationship with God in the kingdom of the son he loves, which is the kingdom of heaven, which will last forever. And the day that we enter that kingdom in all its fullness, 
will be the day that we say goodbye to all the pain and suffering of this world. In the reading that we've had this morning, we're given a picture, aren't we? Have a look at chapter 13 and verse 12. You are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. Now to redeem something means to buy it back again. Here the Lord tells Israel that all their firstborn sons belong to him. To buy them back they must offer a sacrifice, a lamb in its place. That's the price they have to pay. And this is what they've just done in the Passover. The lamb dies, a boy lives. And it's something they must continue to do in the future as well. Because in so doing, they will never forget what has just happened in Egypt. This was the way they were brought out of Egypt, with a mighty hand. Pharaoh held Israel in captivity. He thought they belonged to him. But now they've been transferred from Pharaoh's kingdom into God's kingdom. And as for you and me... We too were held in a spiritual form of slavery, not to Pharaoh, but to evil itself. But we have been bought for God by the blood of Jesus Christ, and now we belong to him. And just as an aside, one of the questions that you might ask about the Passover is this. Was there any way to be saved for people outside the community of Israel. So if you were a God-fearing Egyptian getting wind of what was about to happen, was there anything you could do? And our reading for today says two very interesting things um, to throw into that discussion. Uh, Firstly, in chapter 12, verse 28, it says, many other people went up with them. So come out of Egypt, many other people go with them. And then secondly, in chapter 12, verse 48, it says, A foreigner residing among you who wants to celebrate the Lord's Passover must have all the males in his household circumcised. Then he may take part like one born in the land. No uncircumcised male may eat it. The same law applies both to the native born and to the foreigner residing among you. Was there any way for them to be saved? Well, simply put, if you remain in the kingdom of Pharaoh, no, there's nothing you can do. But if you leave the kingdom of Pharaoh and throw your lot in with the God of Israel, then yes, but you'll have to come with us. You can't stay in Egypt. You'll have to become part of God's kingdom. Do you see how it's exactly the same for us today? Is there any way for the unbeliever to be saved? Yes. But you have to leave the kingdom of darkness and come into the kingdom of the Son that God loves. Finally, let's look at the theme of God's commands. 
God's commands. Because as you read through this part of the text, you get the clear impression that God wants them to remember what has happened forever. Five times he tells them to honour the Lord on this night for generations to come. He tells them to commemorate this day, the day you came out of Egypt. He tells them to observe this ceremony in this month. He wants them to repeat the eating of flatbread, just like they did at the Passover. He says, this observance will be a sign for you. And then finally, he says, keep this ordinance at the right time, year after year, every year. He commands them to remember, remember. And then twice, he tells his people how to teach these things to their children. Have a look at chapter 13, verse eight. On that day, tell your son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. This observance for you will be like a sign on your hand and a reminder on your forehead that this law of the Lord is to be on your lips. Now you've probably been in a situation where you've needed to remember something so important and yet have distrusted yourself so much that the best way to remember it is to write it on your hand in Sharpie. I've written on my hand this morning, go to Emmanuel Church in Tolworth. Clearly, I thought there was a real and present danger that I might forget. But when it's time to put that Sharpie on your forehead, then you know that it's really serious, don't you? Uh, well, in a similar way-ish, uh, God wants his people to always remember what has happened in Exodus and never forget. And to teach it to their children so that they will never forget. Have a look at verse 14. In days to come, when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So let's bring all of these three different threads together. Our God is a God who keeps his promises. He's a rescuing God who brings his people out of slavery and into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And he commands us to remember that and never forget it. And he tells us to teach those things to our children for the generations to come. Now, if you're an insight worker, that's a pretty easy application right there, isn't it? Teach those things to our children for generations to come. But for the 98% of us who aren't insight workers, can you see the importance of faithful youth and children's ministry in the church? What an opportunity we've had this week to host the Christmas journey here for hundreds of children. But let's not stop there. Let's carry that good work on throughout the year. Praise God for Chris Bruce and his faithful team of youth and children's leaders teaching our kids every week. Maybe you'd like to join them. Or maybe, just maybe, you'd love to speak to Karen after the service about how you might get involved in one of those local school clubs. 
just between you and me, we're desperate for people to come and help with that. But God's commands here aren't just to a few of us, they're to all of us. And there's a particular word to parents, isn't there? And if you think about that culture, it's probably a word to fathers. On that day, tell your son, this law of the Lord is to be on your lips. Say to him. And listen, I know from first-hand experience how hard it can be to read the Bible and pray with your own children. But if there's anyone here who's struggling for resources or would like some advice, um, maybe speak to Chris or to Robin or to, even to me or to Karen. Um, we would love to tell you about some books or some activities or some films uh, that we found that are helpful in doing this ministry because we all want to do our best, don't we? to know and tell the gospel and to share God's promised rescuer with the next generation. Speak to us after the service if you'd like to know more about that. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you that in this story we see how faithful you are to your people, that you always keep your promises we thank you that you are a rescuing God who brings your people out of slavery and into the kingdom of the son you love. So Lord, please help us this week to share the message of your promised rescuer with our little ones. Please give us all the help we need to be faithful in speaking of you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.